got so many different worlds I've met in my head, so many different characters and all that, but I love trying different things with them. And it gives uh, gives my writing a lot of variety in that way. Hello and welcome to the Novel Analyst Podcast. My name's Jed Hearn, author of the fantasy books Fires of the Dead and Across the Broken Stars. And today I'm very excited to bring you an interview I did with Rob J. Hayes. Rob J. Hayes is the fantasy author of many, many, many awesome books, um, well over 10 and more to come very soon. But the reason why I wanted to reach out to him was because of his one book in particular, Never Die, a Japanese-inspired fantasy book um, with grimdark tones to it that I analysed in uh, two weeks ago on this podcast. So you can listen to that episode or you can just jump right into this interview. This interview will contain spoilers for Never Die, um, that's the book we talk about the most, but we also cover a wide range of other topics, such as what has allowed Rob to be successful as a self-published fantasy author, the most important writing lessons he's learnt along the journey, um, his approach to balancing multiple characters in a book, to world building, to creating stories that interest him as well as the readers who are reading them. A quick note before we begin this interview, um, about half an hour before I was about to Skype call Rob, who lives in the UK, the power went out because there was a massive thunderstorm uh, in Perth, where I live, and as a result, I had to jury-rig this really contrived podcast setup where I was essentially recording um, a podcast in candlelight, which has a cool kind of ambience for a fantasy-related writing podcast, but was not great for my eyes. Um, So if you do hear any weird... uh, thundery noises or rain or cutting out bits um, in the interview. I do apologize for that, um, along with the audio quality. Not great because, again, there was a a lot of uh, voltage going on around my house. So I think it turned out okay, and it is an amazing talk. Um, Rob is a very excellent speaker, and if you are interested in writing great fantasy books, this is going to be an excellent episode for you. He has a very different approach to writing in a lot of regards. Um, for instance, he is more of a, a pantser, a, a gardener writer, whereas I am more of a like plotter, someone who likes to outline my stories beforehand. But as you'll learn, that results in some very interesting stories uh, through his approach. So this is a really good interview, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Now, onto the show. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. So, for people who aren't that familiar with your work, how would you introduce yourself to, let's say, a complete stranger who's wondering who this Rob guy is? Uh, to be honest, I'd probably go and hide. Uh, I'm terrible at introducing myself <laughs> to strangers. But uh, I, 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 I write sort of general fantasy. Some of it's quite dark uh, and some of it's not I, I just tend to sort of say I, I write epic fantasy and sword and, sword, sword and sorcery um, but a lot of people say that I write grimdark so. <laughs> excellent uh, in terms of starting this interview I would love if you could talk a little bit about your experience with Viking martial arts which I believe you have had some experience with um, yeah well um, the, the Viking martial arts thing was um, it was just kind of a bit of fun really but uh, me and a, a friend of mine noticed that there's a, a, a gym nearby that was hosting these sort of Viking martial arts school and, and doing um, reenactions and stuff so uh, we went along and I spent 
I think I spent about a year and a half uh, doing that. So training with in shield walls and with with spears and, and swords and axes and you know lugging around chainmail. Um, and uh, I even went to a couple of, of shows. There was quite a big one up in York with I think like five hundred people fighting on the battlefield, which was it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was also absolute chaos. That's one thing I definitely learned <laughs> from from the experience is that. I mean, we weren't the most trained of people, but I can imagine a battlefield, yeah, it just devolves into a lot of chaos. There's, once the shield walls start breaking apart, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's an absolute mess, and there's just people going down beside you, and uh, it, was, it, it was hectic, but also a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, I, I uh, kind of had to drop out of it, because uh, I got stabbed with a spear and had a few broken ribs, and then I just sort of oh. fell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, never bothered picking it back up again after a while. I think it was just like, you know what, the idea of having broken ribs every now and again, it's, it's not appealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> so was that with real swords, just with their edges blunted? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you're, obviously, you're not supposed to put your full um, full weight, full swing behind it. You're supposed to sure. uh, pull your blows as much as possible. But yeah, full, full weapons, none of that... Um, uh, is it LARPing where it's the, the foam coated things? Yes. Um, I've still got a couple of axes lying around. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So in terms of what lessons this has taught you for writing fight scenes in fantasy books, and I have to commend you because some of the fight scenes in your book Never Die are just incredible. What has been some of the lessons that you've taken away from getting that practical experience of wielding swords and fighting in big battles? I, I, a lot of it is down to, um, I think, the organisation and the the experience of it. So I, I like to, to write from perspective. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of sort of like the omniscient uh, viewpoint. So for, for me, it was very much a learning how the sort of like the, the, the chaos and, and trying to respond to, to the orders that are given and, and all of that lot comes across while you're in the sort of the heat of battle as it were sort of the spears flying at you there's there's people around you falling and all that like you're trying to protect yourself protect your your, your friends beside you and and trying to strike back and then you know you you might have an order which is to, to you know wheel the, the the shield ball around and trying to sort of respond and it, it is it's a lot of chaos it's a it's it's mad um and I, th I think a lot of what i learned um is to write from that perspective that to, ha to have the battles when they're from a perspective of a person in the battle to have that just this, this rush of senses everything coming at you and and the idea that death is just this tiny little razor blade away from you and yeah so I, it adds an extra level of urgency i feel to the scene if you can write from the, the the full perspective of the person in the battle i think that's that's what i mostly took from um from the viking fighting like a viking um thing personally i definitely agree with your take on that in terms of i think modern fantasy does such a great job of immersing you within the head of one particular character as opposed to just taking this really generalized sweeping view and I suppose this is a good segue into, into talking more about Never Die, 
um, which I recently did a podcast episode on. I will link to that in the show notes. Um, but one of the things that I found really interesting with Never Die was it's very much an ensemble story told from the perspective of these different characters. How do you keep such different and diverse characters balanced and how do you make sure that they're all getting kind of, you know, equal story time, equal awesome time um, throughout your narrative? Because I can imagine that it would be really tempting to just focus on, you know, the one or two character that you like a lot. So how did you strike that balance? I think it, it helped that I'm, I just I obviously loved all of the characters in Never Die. They were just so much fun to write. And I, I think that was the main thing. Each character was very different, but each character was has its own you know, way of writing that was just a lot of fun to me. Like, you know, I, I loved writing um, Itami because I, I got to write the sort of more um, honourable uh, sort of character, which is not something that's uh, very present in a lot of my books. Um <laughs> So that was a lot of fun having a character who was driven by the, the sort of this code of honor and these these oaths that she she swears and uh, swan swears no, swears um, uh, and that sort of it, it allowed it to be quite different uh, to be dry and then obviously with with the Emerald Wind was yeah it was just turn the arsehole up to twelve and have a lot of fun with it. So. I loved and, him uh, so much. Iron Gut. I mean, most of his lines are just "I am Iron Gut Chen." It was just <laughs> fun. Um, so I, I think it, it's it's always fun switching perspectives, um, both as a writer because you get to explore different different characters, different their sort of like their inner monologues and how they feel and react to the things going on around them. But it's also good um, for the readers in in many ways because they may not. You know, not all readers would have connected as well with like uh, it, its army, um, but then they might connect with with, with Zihau. So, you know, that it, it gives them that sort of like, okay, well, I'm not a big biggest fan of this character, but then oh, next chapter's from uh, one of my favourite characters. We'll we'll get we'll uh, get to see what they're thinking and, and doing. So, it it's sort of like it, it's it's a good way to keep people keep the readers reading as well. I felt. Um, but mostly, it was just a lot of fun to write from different perspectives, uh, different perspectives of characters who were just so wildly different to each other. If you had to choose one of those characters, and I know this is a question you'll probably really dislike, but I'm curious anyway. If you had to choose one of those characters to, say, write a complete novel just with them in it, who would you pick? Uh, the Sentry Blade. Ooh, good choice. <laughs> okay. None of the above. I like it. <laughs> yeah, um, but funnily enough, actually, I've had quite a few people um, message saying, can we have a story about the Sentry Blade? I would read that. Um, That'd be amazing. Yeah, well, it, it was quite fun sort of creating this, this older character who was world-renowned to be, like, you know, one of the greatest heroes who has ever lived in everything. Um, so you never know. One day I might do a bit of a prequel story about the, the Sentry Blade. Uh but I, I think if I had to pick one of the, sort of the main cast to just write a, a full novel about, um, I don't know, I might go with Roy Astara, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Death's Echo. Um, he may not have been the most fun character to write, but he, he got the least screen time, as it were. Um, and uh, I think it might be quite interesting to write a story fully from, fully from the perspective of a leper who's falling apart. <laughs> yes. Well, I definitely found his dynamic very interesting 
and yeah certainly like gave you a very unique perspective on the world and in particular the way that he played into the ending of the book which we we might get into if that's all right initially with the climax of the book um i will i'll put a spoiler warning at the at the start of this episode so we will be free to spoil things if that's okay with you um but the, the ending of the book you have all these wonderful characters who are super interesting to explore and uh then do you want to tell our listeners what happens to all of them at the end Oh, they all die. <laughs> Brutally die, yes. Um, wouldn't be grim dark fantasy if it wasn't for it. <laughs> yes. And initially when I read the ending of it, uh, I have to make a confession. I was almost like, I don't know if disappointed is the right word for it, but the ending was just so like brutal and like such a like massive knife in the heart that initially I was sort of like wondering if it was the right choice um, for the book. But then I realized that I was thinking about the ending for, you know, days and mulling over all the clues that you'd left in the story beforehand that I hadn't picked up on. And I realized that it was really quite a perfect ending. And, you know, even though a lot of the characters do die, in a way they get quite satisfying endings and, and their arcs get paid off in very interesting ways. So my question is, with such a, you know, like very dark ending, um, which may initially put some readers off like myself, but then hopefully brings them around like myself again, what was your process behind that? Did the ending come to you from the start? Was it something that evolved organically? Just talk me through basically how you decided to make such a, um, a brave decision to end the story. Um, yeah, it was... I always had the, the, that sort of the idea that it would be the characters coming together from you know being picked up by Iron on the journey, and each one would be integral to the eventual end. But then each one would have to um, to, to sacrifice themselves. I mean, at, at, it, at its heart, Never Die is very much a tale of um, redemption. Um, each of the mm. characters, uh, I mean, obviously. The spoilers here each of the characters is actually a ghost um <laughs> for lack of that was a good twist that was a good twist i love that Funnily enough that twist only came to me about uh 30 into the way of the book and then i was like okay <laughs> gotta go back and rewrite some things no um, way oh that's great no it's it, that idea that they all they all died um originally in, in some way that was in their eyes uh, a failure they they, they died um with things unfinished, and um, the 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 ending was very much uh, okay. They're all going to die again, um, <laughs> but they're going to they're all going to be redeemed um, in some way. I mean, some of the arcs are more fleshed out than, than others, um, uh, but I, I always always wanted that that sort of dynamic where. Uh, they are all dead to begin with and they do all die by the end of it and the only one who actually lives through the entire thing is the only one who was actually alive in the first place mm. um, uh, although he was also alive but the closest to death oh yeah, there's lots of craziness going on while I was writing that book if you had to I pick remember one time I was oh, sorry, trying to on. figure it all yeah. out and I had this sort of notepad and I had all these, these notes down and my uh 
my missus came home from from work and I was just sat there writing this pad and she went, what's up? And I was like, right, I'm going to spurge all this information at you. <laughs> uh, and she just sat there with wide, glossy eyes going, what have you done? <laughs> um, but somehow I managed to pull it all together and it all seems to work out in the end. And I should definitely say it does pay off in a big way. And yeah, my, I, my initial dissatisfaction with the ending only made me appreciate it more once I realised like how good it really was and how, you know, because like sometimes I guess like happy endings are great for a story and sometimes it's also great to have stories where like the ending is incredibly bittersweet and, you know, gritty and, and grimdark and everything. So yeah, I definitely think it paid off in um, a big way and yeah, I, I congratulate you for interweaving all of those threads together. <laughs> what does your writing process look like? It's hard work. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> what does your writing process look like? Absolute mess. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot of authors have like you know pages and pages of notes and all of that lot. Um, for the most part, everything is in my head. Um, I'm I'm very much a uh, was it a, a gardener or a, a pantser. So I I tend to when I go go into a book, I tend to have an idea of the beginning, the rough middle, at uh, the end, a few set pieces along the way, and uh, a few characters. And I, I just start writing and see what comes to me most of the time. Um, and the story that I set out to write is not necessarily the story that I end up writing in the end. And quite often, I'll, I'll, I'll invent characters on the on the fly, and then suddenly I'll decide, you know what, this is one of my favourite characters, and they somehow have a much bigger part and all that. So yeah, it's an absolute mess. Um, I, I do occasionally make notes, but quite a lot of the time they're just things like lines of dialogue that come to me while I'm in the shower or something like that um, for the most part yeah, it, it's all just in my mind and a big mess and we'll see what comes down on the page I'm, I'm an odd writer like that <laughs> <laughs> well it must be working for you because since your first book came out in uh, I believe it was 2014 you've published is it erect was it 2015 sorry no, it was 2013. It was... Oh, okay. Ooh, there you go. April 2013. So, we're coming up to almost seven years. And in that time, you've published... Um, and I might also be wrong with this number, so feel free to correct me if I am. Am I correct in saying that you have published 11 novels since that time? Yeah. Is it 11? Is it 11 or 12? I think it's 11, but I've got three more coming out in the next three months. Yes. So, uh... <laughs> we will get to those in a minute for sure, because I'm very curious about that. Um, but what allows you to have been so productive and, and prolific over such a long period of time? Because fantasy books, the fantasy books that you write are not short and they're not simple. How do you manage to have produced like so much writing over the last couple of years? Well, the, I mean, the, the major benefit I have is this, this is my job. This is what I do uh, for a living. Um, I don't have any other sort of job. This isn't a side thing. So I was lucky enough to be successful enough with my first trilogy that it allowed me to start doing this full time. And since then, um, I, I admit when I first started doing it, I didn't have much of a work ethic. I'd get like 300 words down in a day. I'd be like, woo, good day. Um, <laughs> but the, these days I'm a, I'm a lot different. When I'm, I, I have a much better work ethic. I have a much better uh, sort of, process around doing it it's it's um 
you know, I, I sort of, I, I make sure I wake up, I sit down, do work. I basically work office hours, um, you know, sort of uh, eight till five, eight till six most days um, with an hour or two to walk the dog in between because <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't let me not walk. Uh, so it, it, it's very much, a, okay, when I'm writing, I make sure I get at least 2,000 words done a day, maybe 3,000 words done a day, and then... Um, like that, and then when I'm editing, that's a whole different thing. But I try to get you know as much done as possible and all that sort of thing. So it's mostly just um, having a good work ethic and an overactive imagination. That just I've got so many stories up in my head, some of which I have told, some of which I haven't. That I've always got something new to to, to put to page. It's just I, since developing the work ethic, it allows me to actually sit down and get them out, which. Uh, it's great because it allows me to, to do what I love um, for a living. <laughs> it allows me to write. That's awesome. Stories. I want to back up to something you said then. You mentioned that it was after your first trilogy that you were able to effectively go full-time from writing, um, which is a, a thing that many authors would love to do. So I was wondering if you could just talk, talk me through your your journey, experiences with uh, traditional publishing versus self-publishing and, and then back to full circle recently. Um, and what you think has allowed you to become a successful self-published author? Well, that's a hell of a fast question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, I was very lucky with my um, my first trilogy, and it was uh, it was the old lightning strike. I have no idea how it happened. Um, I I released all three books. They had terrible covers. Uh, they weren't particularly well edited. And I just this this was before the days of Kindle Unlimited, and I just released them, dropped them in the uh, in the ocean, as it were, and they somehow took off. I, I honestly have no idea how it was, but uh, I sold something like thirty thousand books in my first year. It was wow, it was crazy. That's incredible. Um, it is. Uh, and then I full and dropped the ball and uh, squandered my luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Basically, I, I was incredible. I thought, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm making enough money. Yay. Uh, so I quit my job and went, I'm doing this full time. Um, and then sales started to drop off because I wasn't doing anything to maintain them. I wasn't doing any advertising. Uh, I wasn't, uh, I, I, I didn't have any new books to put out, anything like that. Um, so I, I didn't keep up the momentum. Um, which was uh, my first big mistake. And then a publisher came along and said, we want to pick you up. Um, I'm going to pick up those books and, and the others that you're planning to write. Uh, so I thought, yay, that sounds like a really good idea. Um, they were not a traditional publisher. They were a small press uh, indie publisher. Um, and they, it was that was possibly the worst mistake in my career. Ooh. <laughs> they... Uh, yeah, it, it completely killed my momentum, um, any that I had built up. Uh, they delayed new books coming out. They, they didn't pay me my royalties. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. So in 2000 and early 2017, I think it was, I basically just said, look, this isn't working. I want my rights back and uh, pull everything away from them and decided to go back to self-publishing. And since then, it's been it's been a bit more of a slog. I've I've not been able to hit, hit that same level of success that I originally did, 
but I've I've started building up a readership, which is I think the most important thing. If you can build up a readership, people who who know your name and want to read your books, it takes time, it takes effort, but that's the I think the best way to to go about self publishing. You start selling books, and once you have a, a, a nice catalogue, back catalogue, then you you start making a bit more money, which for me is is now enough to let me live. And, and and do this. So that's 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 actually a bit of an abridged answer. There's there's a lot more that went on. <laughs> well, we can get into some of that later because I am uh, as a as a self published author who has just started this thing. I've got two books out, and I've only really been doing this for five months or so. I am very curious as to everything that um, you know people who have had more experience in this game have gone through. But perhaps I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what does building your readership look like for you in terms of how you get new people to, you know, read your books and, and then, you know, sign up to listen from future books. Is that an email newsletter for you? What have, what has been the, the things that have worked the best for you in terms of that? I mean, the, I think the biggest thing I've done is I is build my online presence. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of self-published authors will say, and um, it's not as easy as, as it sounds when you just say build your online presence. You're fine, um, but it is it is probably the best way to, to go about it. It's it's lengthy and it's it's hard work um, at times, but at the same time you'll you'll meet lots of new people online. So it's it's things like joining Facebook groups and and Twitter conversations and, and uh, like Reddit fantasy. And, stuff like that and just interacting um you know you're not there to not not as a way to try and push your books on people but just interact with people interact with the conversations the threads that are going on and you know if somebody starts talking about a book you love join in and say yeah i like this book or whatever um and just yeah interact as a person as a reader rather than trying to interact as an author and it's it's kind of a much more organic way to do it you, you're not you know, shouting buy my book and it can take a long a long while to, to start getting any traction but eventually people will start going ah you write books as well I'll, I'll pick it up I'll have a look um, so I think that's that's probably the, the way that I've, I've I've done it I'm mostly going about it there's also things like visiting conventions and meeting other authors and other readers face to face and um, then if you can try and figure out advertising that can work I haven't yet, but I'm trying. <laughs> Things like Amazon ads and Facebook ads are a mystery to me. They are black magic and voodoo, but I, I'm determined to try and figure those out. Um, so, it, yeah, it's building your readership is a lengthy process. Unless you can somehow, you know, capture that lightning strike in a bottle, uh, it, it, it's it's hard work and. Uh, it's fun at times as well. It's not only hard work, but it's hard work and it's long work. But that's that's the best way I found to to do it personally. Great, that's that's really useful. Um, and it seems that one of the ways that you've gotten, uh, well, this is the way that I found out about your writing. Um, one of the ways that it seems that you've gotten some good exposure with the fantasy community is through the self-published fantasy book off, um, also known as SPF Bow. Uh, I was wondering if you could just discuss that a little bit because that is 
like I said, that's how I found out about Never Die. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I would have come across the book. Yeah, the, um, the Spitfire is it's a fantastic opportunity for, um, for, for authors uh, and massive respect to Mark Lawrence for, for starting it and also to all the other the, the blogs for taking part. Because, I mean, obviously, without, without the other blogs, without Mark, it, it couldn't go ahead. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful um, opportunity. Uh, I, I think the, the best thing you can do with Fifbo as, as an author is sign up to your book, but don't, don't expect that this is going to be you know, your, your big break. It's going to you know, catapult you into, into stardom and <laughs> traditional publishing. It's, it's, an, it's an excellent way to meet other people, um, to meet other authors, to meet you know, readers, um, uh, mostly online, yes, but uh, just, just it's an excellent way to, to meet them and to interact with them and, uh, yeah, to, to to build your readership that way. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it, it's very rare that, that you sort of like, you know, a, a book gets entered and it suddenly catapults and gets picked up. The I think um, Sendlin Ascends is the most successful yes. one so far to come out of it. Um, but that's possible because it's an absolutely fantastic book with such a unique premise um, and so bloody well written. Yeah. So, um, but the, the chance of that happening is very low. It really is. Um, but if you just go into it with the idea that I'm going to meet some some other authors and, and hopefully gain some new readers and hopefully get some some blogs uh, eyes on my work, I think that's the best way to go about it. Um, I know. Every year that I've entered, which is three, yeah, three years now, um, I've I've met new people, and you know, some of them I'm very very much still in contact with now, and yeah, it's it's been good. I should also just clarify because I realised I didn't actually say what the uh, Spiffbo is. It is a um, competition where several hundred books are submitted to review blogs, and out of that you get whittled down to one winner um and never die is uh correct me if i'm wrong i believe it is currently amongst the top 10 finalists so has a chance of uh yes. going the full distance it's one of the finalists of this year uh and and uh i previously won yes with where all things lies i am now the only author ever to be a finalist twice and I'm just getting that plug well, out there quickly. Woo. That's awesome. Nice work. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Congratulations. That, that is a huge achievement. Um, when you consider, yeah, like that only, what's that, like 0.3% of the books. Um, that's like your odds of winning or whatever. Uh, nice work. That's good. Um, yeah, sorry. Just <laughs> I didn't even realize that, but that's cool. Um, what has been the best writing advice that you have either received or learnt through your own experience? Um, oh, to be honest, I think the best writing, writing advice that uh, and I've not received it personally is that um, do it your way. Because you will see so many people, you know, willing to, to give advice saying you have to write every day or you know, always aim to increase your, your, your work out or it doesn't matter what sort of words you get down just get words down and then you can sort it later you know 
there's, there's so much advice out there and the truth of the matter is yeah so some of them might work for you some of them might not but the ones that don't work might not work for somebody else um, the, <laughs> it, you've got to figure out how to do it yourself how it works for you um, so it, it, it's just a case of try things find out what what method of writing whether it's yeah, writing every day or whether it's just when, when it inspiration strikes you or whatever find out what works for you and just keep doing it keep at it um, it's it's the old thing of it's it's a marathon not a sprint um, it takes time but as long as you keep at it chances are you're gonna you're gonna make some sort of success of it I think that's really important to yeah reiterate that self-awareness of what works for you as a writer is critical um i know definitely like on on this show i can sometimes fall into the trap of saying that just because one author does a thing with writing in a particular way it means that you should do things this way um but what i am always constantly trying to do in terms of reminding myself and reminding listeners is that this is just one possible method to get to the destination and there's so many different methods as well um like even in this conversation, for instance, yeah, like even in this conversation, based on the complexity of Never Die, I was expecting you to be an outliner. And it shocked me that you, uh, you know, were a more organic pantser writer. And the fact that you came up with such a huge twist in the book a third of the way through, like that really, it didn't throw me, but it, I suppose it is uh, eye-opening to see the different methods that are available out there and, and ultimately it, it doesn't really matter what methods you use to get the words down on the page as long as they get down on the page and they're somewhat good by the time they get to the reader right absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, that's I know some people who they can write like a first draft and it can be absolutely amazing um I hate those people. some of the people who, who you know they'll, they'll write a book and then it will have to go through like seven different edits to make it any sort of um, legible writing. So it's <laughs> so different what works with, with different people. Um, I don't think I could do the, the planning thing. I'd get bored halfway through the planning and be like, I'm just going to start writing. We'll see what happens. What would you say is your biggest strength as a writer and your biggest weakness as a writer? Um, I think my, my biggest strength is probably just, I mean, my imagination. Um, I've, I've I've got so many different worlds I've met in my head, so many different characters and all that. Lot. And I love trying different things with them, and it gives uh, gives my writing a lot of variety in that way. Um, you know, it's like every book I write is is different um, from the last ones. Even the ones in the same same series end up being very different to what I've done before. So it, it gives my writing a lot of uh, variety, which allows me. I mean, I like to think <laughs> to open up um you know new sort of avenues of readers um which is great. i think my biggest weakness is probably um i i need a good editor to tell me when to dig deeper into a character's psyche um i quite often um sort of breeze past that and, and just sort of think ah I know what the character is, is feeling at this point um, and just sort of in my, in my head it's like well I know what they're feeling so it'll just come across on the page and quite often 
uh, it doesn't. So I need I need an editor to just tell me like, right, stop here. What is this character feeling? Um, you know, tell the reader how they're feeling. Well, show the reader how they're feeling. Um, but I, I think quite often I I assume a bit. I assume I'm getting more onto the page than I actually am. I think. But luckily, an editor will hopefully iron those things out for me. <laughs> What does the normal process look like for you once you finish that first draft in terms of like how long it would take to get from that to, you know, more or less finished book? What kind of editing passes you go through? What does that process look like for you? I mean, so I, I finished my first draft and then first thing I do is um, put it down, uh, walk away, go and do something else for a, you know, a couple of weeks. Then I'll come back to it, I'll read through it again, give it an, another edit, or its first real edit, and get to the point where I feel happy enough that I'm willing to let somebody else read it. Then I'll send it to uh, my alpha readers, um, who give it a pass and tell me if it's shit uh, or not. Uh, fingers crossed not. <laughs> um, and then I'll, they'll give me any sort of like, feedback that they think it needs changing here and there so then I'll, I'll probably edit it another two or three times myself reading through it sometimes just in my head sometimes I'll read it out loud um, and then, then then I'll send it to an editor I, I have a few different editors that I use and and hopefully they'll come back not only uh, it's sort of a, a not quite a developmental edit I usually go for a, a copy edit so they'll, they'll come back with more than just picking up the typos they'll, they'll do things like okay dig deeper into the character here or um you know they might come back with a bit more general statement like a character's arc needs to be a bit more uh, prominent um that sort of thing um so then i finished those edits uh and then i'll probably edit it once again myself so this at this point i've probably edited this book about six or seven times uh, myself uh and then i'll send it out to to beta readers uh, and, and see what they say um and then eventually, once I've gathered enough information and I feel I'm happy with it, I'll, I'll stick it up to being published. So, I mean, it, it, it depends. Right, it, it, it varies massively depending on the book. Never Die, uh, I think, it, it took me about a year to get around to publishing it from when I finished writing it, um, just through various edits and, and all sorts of things like that. Whereas um, something like the, the series that I'm about to start releasing, The War Eternal, uh, the first book I originally wrote in 2016. Wow. So that one's been a lot longer uh, waiting to, to come out. So it just it, it varies depending on the book and whatever feels right for the book or the series, really. Let's talk a bit about The War Eternal because it's my understanding that you plan to bring out is it four books this year uh yeah i'm releasing four books this year the, the war eternal is uh is a trilogy i'm releasing book one on march the 30th book two on april the 28th and book three sometime at the end of may i haven't fully decided yet and then at the end of this year i'm releasing uh the next the the, the sequel not a sequel to never die uh, it's another standalone set in the same world um that one's called pawn's gambit Excellent. So, how long has, I suppose, this series has been incubating for a while? How does 
um, how, how does your method look like in terms of, I mean, obviously Never Die is, is a standalone thing. You can have a, a sort of spin-off thing that is related, but not related, as you've said. How does your writing process look like in terms of developing a fantasy series? Are there any particular things that you're aiming to do? Do you plan the series out far in advance or do you just sort of write and let it be discovered? Um, I'm just very curious as to what your process is for sort of, I suppose, structuring a series and um, making sure that each book is, is interesting in its own right, but still builds to something larger. Um, well, I think with, with the War Eternal uh, as a sort of as a example, I I wrote two themes uh, very much in, in the book. There's, there's some overlying themes throughout the entire series. Um, things like the main character uh, is uh, a, you know she's a child soldier. Um, she was torn from her family at a very young age and taught to be a weapon, um, trained to be a weapon. Um, and that's that's sort of one of the themes that runs throughout the entire series, um, and very much her um, learning to be a human. <laughs> in many ways, uh, you know, she, she's she's never really uh, had to. She she thinks of she, she's quite sort of manipulative and selfish, uh, especially at the beginning of the first book and throughout that because that's just. She's, she's never had that sort of like you're you're a human. She's she's always had she's always been a weapon. So she thinks in those terms. Um, but then I also I wanted to structure each each book individually with its themes. So uh, the the first book is very much um, her as a as a teenager. Um, throughout the entire thing, she is you know she she goes through these sort of teenage years. She's very callous in many ways. She's uh, Mature and all those sorts of, of you know, um, themes you, you generally associate with with teenage. And then in, in book two, I, I structured it so it was more she was in her sort of twenties at that point. So she's not quite as immature. She's she's learning about life. She's learning about herself. Uh, she's trying to figure out who she is and where she fits in the world. Um, and then and in, in book three, she's kind of more in her thirties. So at that point, she, um, she she kind of knows who she is and who she wants to be. But that doesn't mean she's got all the answers by any stretch of the imagination. She's still um, she's still struggling to make something of herself at that, at that point, even though she might know who she wants to be. Um, so yeah, I, I very much write to, to, to themes. I think. Um, when structuring out a trilogy uh, or a series like that. That seems like um, an excellent way to make sure that there's a, a consistency and a through line to the whole thing while still giving you a lot of freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's still, for me, in any book, be it the first in the series, a standalone, the, the sixth in the series, whatever, it's it's discovery. I, I have a few ideas of what's going to happen, but... And, and the themes that I want to include, but it's still very much a sit down. Let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see where the character and the world take me. Um, and it, I don't always get it right. There's, there's been a few books that uh, I've written, and they just they haven't worked um, in the end. Um, but luckily, I think most of the time I get them to some degree of right. Yeah, I definitely think in the case of Never Did I, they were done to a some uh, to a very high degree of right. 
that is the only book of yours I've read so far, but I'm very keen to check out uh, Along the Razor's Edge and, and your various other books as well. If, uh, let's say, actually, I was going to use a hypothetical person for this, but let's let's use myself um, because I'm selfish like that. What book would you recommend for me to try next out of your back catalogue, um, given that I really enjoyed Never Die? That's the downside to writing so many books. It's <laughs> hard to select which one to give. I don't know. Another good one would probably be um, Where Loyalties Lie, which is uh, the book that um, won Spiffbo in 2017, I think, Um, which is, it's uh, a piratical book. It's um, lots of swashbuckling and and, uh, adventures on the high seas and everything. And it it still has a sort of level of uh, adventure and and swashbuckling fun and colourful characters that you get in Never Die. Um, it's quite a bit darker in many places, but I, I think it's yeah. It, it, they share a lot of similarities um, in the it, it having that sort of. They're, they're both quite dark books in many ways, but they also have a, a sense of humour to them, which um, sort of lays the darkness somewhat. <laughs> I mean, you had me when you said pirates, so <laughs> I will definitely be checking that out. Yeah, that, that was the part when I was writing it. I was like, hmm, what do people like? Pirates. Yeah, all right, <laughs> pirates. I love that. Um, so a couple of rapid fire questions before we begin to wrap this up. And like, if you feel like giving more than rapid fire answers, that's cool too. Um, was there ever a time when you were considering giving up writing? And if so, how did you get through that moment? Uh, well, this won't be a, a rapid fire one, but um, yes. Yeah, I probably <laughs> probably preface that bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was writing book two of the uh, the War Eternal series, um, which was I wrote it in I first wrote it in twenty seventeen, um, and uh, I, I wasn't in a very good place at the time. I just split with my publisher. I had no books to on sale or anything like that uh, because I didn't have the rights to any. Uh, and I hadn't been paid in a very long time and I was just not in a good place that way and I wrote this book and to be honest it was terrible um, my first attempt at the lessons never learned which is book two of the war eternal was, was awful uh, I knew it was awful I sent it to my alpha readers they all came back and went this is awful and uh, it was a big blow I just I felt like uh, I'd lost I'd, I felt I'd lost the character's voice I felt that I just I wasn't producing anything of any worth and I was very close to just giving up not only the series but just, just giving up all of it um, and it's it, it was a big struggle for me uh, and then funnily enough I um, I had an idea for this little book about you know samurai and Shinigami and uh, nice. <laughs> and heroes with cool hero names like Green Blade and Emerald Wind so uh yeah, I, uh, I had a very bad time about it um, and very much struggled, but it was actually Never Die that got me through it uh, because I just had this idea for this book, which I was just like, oh, I'm so excited about this, I just want to write it and get it down. So I did, and then after that, I came back and completely rewrote book two of uh, The War Eternal. Is I think out of 100,000 words, I kept like 15,000 of them. The rest was just in the bin. Wow. Uh, just rewrote the entire book. 
and it's it's a hell of a lot better now, thankfully. Why do you write? Um, I I'd hate to have an office job. I've had office jobs in the past. <laughs> They're just not fun. Um, <laughs> um, I write because I, I love it. I love telling stories. I've been. I, I'm I'm very much a person who lives in their imagination, and dreaming, you know, various worlds and characters and everything. Since I don't know, my mum likes to tell me tell stories of. Uh, when I was in uh, junior school, or uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be, wherever, very young, sort of five and six, I guess. And, you know, I'd, I'd be that kid who was just staring out the window, daydreaming while the teacher was trying to get us to work and all that. So I've always been someone who, who has very active imagination and, and loves to, to dream. And then when I was, I think, 15 or something like that, I started writing stories and I just loved it. I loved trying to get these these, these worlds and these characters down on page, and, um, you know, getting other people to read them. And yeah, so when I figured out, hey, I might be able to make a living out of doing this, this thing that I absolutely love doing, um, exploring worlds, telling the stories of the world, you know, making people excited to read them. I was just like, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. So I uh, I set my goal on it and I bloody well did it. <laughs> what are your favourite books outside of your own? I think my books are probably the least favourite. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you actually reread your books? I'm curious because there's been a, a, a fairly uh, decent time uh, since. Uh, oh, sorry. I think we're cutting across. No, I I I never reread uh, my books. Uh, one. Once they are published, um, unless I have to go back for research purposes, if I'm writing a sequel or something like that, nope. Uh, they, that's it. They're, they're out there. I'll move on to the next one. Fair enough. Um, but uh, my favourite books, uh, I am a massive fan of Robin Hobbs. Um, I think it's The Realm of the Elderlings, is the whole collection of it. Things like the Farseer Trilogy and Lives of Traders. Um, I, they are some of my favourite books ever um, I think in the last five years I've become an absolute massive fan of Mark Lawrence um, I just I love the way he writes I love the sort of he, he has a sort of warrior poet um, feel to his prose which is absolutely beautiful I love some of his turns of phrase they're just they're glorious um, and I think another one of my favourite authors would be Chris Wooding um Oh yes, I fell in love with his books with his TJ series, and I, since then I'm just like everything he writes. I'm just like, yep, pick it up, love it. Have you read The Ember Blade? I have. It was my favorite book of was it 2018? I think I absolutely adored it, um, and I can't wait for the sequel. Oh, me neither. I did a podcast episode on that actually, um, so I will link to that in the show notes. But yeah, that is oh, that's an incredible book. Sorry, I just had to jump in there. <laughs> Do you read many um, like non-fiction writing advice or, or writing craft-related books at all? 
or is that not part of your process? Cool. <laughs> None of them, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, I just, I don't know, I've never sort of picked them up. I just, I, I write how I write, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I have occasionally been suggested uh, a couple of um, writing craft books, occasionally by an editor who was just like, maybe you should try reading this book. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I should. And I never. Fair enough. Um, what is the, this is the second of the last uh, rapid fire questions, which haven't turned out so rapid, but that's fine because the ans- answers have been fantastic. Um, what advice would you give to your, <laughs> would you give to your younger self starting out on the journey of, of being a writer? And I feel like I'm, I may know the answer, but I'm just curious as to what it would be. Um, yeah, keep up the momentum. Um, don't sign with small presses. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there'd be a good place on that, I think. Um, yeah, I've made a few mistakes in my career, and luckily I've recovered to some degree, but yeah, it'd be like, right. Once you've got the momentum, keep it up. Don't let it die. Ignore small presses. They do nothing for you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right, last of the rapid-fire questions. So I want you to picture yourself sitting in a library, and the library's filled with all of the books that you've written over your life, um, and you're looking back on the legacy that you have created for yourself as a writer. And I am curious, what kind of legacy as a writer would you like to create over the course of, of your life and your, and your journey as an author? Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> Glad to hear. <laughs> I think... Yeah, I, I think I'd like to uh, have a legacy where varied books that they don't retread the same ground. They're they're always very different from whatever's come before and all of that lot. Um, so constantly trying new things and different things, and also making books fun because um, not not every book has to be this sort of. Uh, you know, sort of uh, deep and meaningful book that will stay with the readers for decades and teach them things about life. Sometimes a book can just be fun. I think that is a fantastic place to wrap this up. Rob, could you tell everyone uh, where they can go to find out more about you and your books? Uh, Oh, yep, sorry. It's uh, just cut out for a random second. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if you... Did you hear the question? Uh, I, you, you, you got to the point where you're like, can you tell everyone? And then it went dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very, uh, like, spy thriller dying at the exact same moment that I was supposed to give you critical information kind of trope. But, yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and then shot by the sniper. Um, no, the question was, um, I think that this has been an amazing interview. Um, and yeah, just to wrap it up, I would, I would love if you could tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you and about your books. Yep. Uh, okay. So, um, you can find me on my website, which is www.robjhays.co.uk. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Rob of the Hayes. Uh, or you can find me on Facebook. My author page is the heresy within, uh, I think that's probably it. I think that's my main social media type things. Excellent. Well, Rob, thank you so much for this chat. Um, I know we've we've had some issues with uh, 
there being a, a thunderstorm in my area, so the power has been um, a bit temperamental, and so is the Wi-Fi. But I, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about all things fantasy, uh, and I really enjoyed this. So thank you for your time. Ah, no worries. Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, it's been, been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Rob. And again, massive thank you to Rob for his patience with all of the electrical issues and various connection issues we had, particularly at the start of that call. If you enjoyed Never Die by Rob J. Hayes, you may be interested in my fantasy book, Fires of the Dead, which also features a ragtag crew of lovable misfits who are on a perilous mission. Fires of the Dead is about Wisp, a magician who draws energy from fires to make his own flames. Leading a misfit thieving crew, he enters a desolate wasteland to steal a dead sorcerer's skull. But his crew aren't the only ones on the hunt, and the forest isn't as barren as it seems. Fires of the Dead just recently hit uh, number one on the Kindle store for Gaslamp Fantasy, number one for Action and Adventure Fantasy, and number one in Alternative History, even though it's a fantasy book it's not really set in an alternative history. So if you enjoy gritty, grimdark books um, about a lovable ensemble cast of heroes assembled for a difficult mission, much like Never Die, I think you'll really enjoy it. You can pick it up on Amazon just by searching Fires of the Dead, or you can get it in uh, ebook, paperback, audiobook, or hardcover forms uh, by going to jedhern.com forward slash fires of the dead. And I'll pop the link for that in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Now go and write extraordinary stories. <laughs>